Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it's great to have you here. Thank you very much. And um, today's the second in our series on a people of the Spirit. And we're going to have a look particularly at the gift of tongues. But I, I'm going to get there a little bit later, all right? Because I, I really want to back up, first of all. And um, I want to catch the importance and the moment of Pentecost. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read from there the first 12 verses. And then we'll pick up on that and later we'll move to the gift of tongues. Acts, is that as small as I think it is? You'll need your Bibles. And uh, actually you will because we will be going from here to... Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, and there's less of that on the screen. (laughs) Not that it would help anyway. But anyway, here we go. Um, Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated And came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues. As the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem. God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound. A crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed. They asked. Are not all these men who are speaking to us, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts of Libya near Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? That's a great question, I must say. Uh, nearly 30 years ago, I, um, I was at a theological summer school in, uh, in, the, in the States, I was there for approximately two months. My family were back at home. I was there. And um, one of the joys of the week was receiving letters. And uh, I've still got them. Thank you. (laughs) And my wife's still got mine too, which is really nice too. I've got these letters. And um, I got actually the, the church wrote to me as well there was lots of people in the church and so I was I was very blessed with that very blessed very supportive very encouraged but you know this this these were the ones I was waiting for they, these were the ones these were my wife's these were Des's letters to me and um, you know I would I would get the envelope and I would find a quiet place to get away and then I would open it and you know I'd and then she'd send pictures and uh, little drawings the children did. And then the, the letter would come out. 
And I would read this again and again and again. I, I, could, almost, I could almost tell you what they were verbatim as I uh, read these letters. And um, I would even smell the letters. They smell like paper. But I was still... <laughs> uh, I, I, the, you, you get the point, don't you? That, um, I mean, I just, I just missed her. I just missed my family. It was, a, it's an, it's, as wonderful as the letters were, and, and as much as I waited for them, and the pictures, and, and all of that, one thing it wasn't, and that was the real thing. It just wasn't the real thing. I mean, it, it was great to have them, believe you me. But there's nothing like the presence of someone. Nothing like it. Phone calls, texts, pictures, Skype, you can do the lot, but it's not the same as a person's presence. That is a wonder. It's an absolute wonder, my friends. You know, when we lose someone through illness, old age, accident, it doesn't matter how much warning we've had of their loss. It doesn't know if we knew this was coming. The, still, the loss of the person is huge. Some of you know this. Some of you have been through this. You know exactly what I mean. Why, why is the loss huge? Because nothing can take the place of their presence. Right? We get that? Gerald Sitzer lost three generations of his family in a car crash with a drunken driver. He lost his mother. He lost his daughter. And he lost his wife. And he writes of his wife, Linda. He says, her absence touches almost every part of my life. I'm haunted by memories. At times, I feel almost desperate to find one part of my life that was not affected by her presence and does not therefore suffer from her absence. My friends, God has made us this way. We, we, we long and need presence. It's the way he is. He is the God of presence. He brings his presence. He is this God of presence. It's just wonderful. And so in the book of Exodus, stay with me here. In the book of Exodus, there's this disastrous moment in the desert where the people of Israel end up making a model of their God. But it turns out to be a golden calf. And um, and God is not impressed, believe you me. He is not impressed. So much so that God says this, my presence will not go with you. An angel will go instead. And later in the chapter 33, Exodus, Moses responds and said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us from here. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth? What else? What else will make the difference between us and anybody else if it's not your presence? If you're not going, don't want to go. You want an angel? No. I want you. I want your presence. I love that about Moses. You know, the real thing is we want you with us. We don't want an emissary. We want the real thing, your presence. Jesus, see, the, the Holy Spirit means 
The presence, the Holy Spirit, this is what we're reading here, means the presence of God himself. That's what this is about. And Jesus said, don't. Don't. That's the command. Don't leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised. This promise of the Holy Spirit. My friends, it has history. Doesn't just turn up on the day of Pentecost. It threads itself right the way through the Old Testament. You've got Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Joel. And for his spirit to be in his people. It's real key for your lives. I, I just emphasize this. And then when Peter gets up and they say, what's all this about? Peter says, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. This is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. The person of the Holy Spirit, you know, he comes to you to fill you, to empower you. Tell me, how else are you going to live the Christian life? I mean, you need power to forgive. You need the power of God to break through our our hardness. We need the power of God to release us. We need the power of God not to get bitter over certain things. We need the power of God. This is what the Christian life is about. It's to be empowered, my friends. Gordon Fee says this. He's a brilliant theologian. Brilliant. He says, this is how the early church understood themselves. They understood themselves as people of the Spirit. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, listen, he is not a subject to be discussed. He's a person to be encountered. You need to know him, not just about him. This is why we're doing the series, People of the Spirit. It's really, really key. He's no addendum, you know. No, no some sort of take-it-or-leave-it attachment, He's the essential ingredient in the New Testament. We're birthed by the Spirit. We're taught by the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. He can be grieved. I mean, he is absolutely essential in our lives. Not a piece of theological information to be accumulated. He is experienced as a powerful presence in their lives. They understood themselves as people of the Spirit. The early church got this. They, they absolutely got it. Hence the command is to be filled with the Spirit. My friends, be filled with the Spirit. That is what's going on here, Acts chapter 2. Notice this, that the Spirit comes down on each of them. And all. Is anybody left out of all? Do I, do I get that? I mean, is, is there all? Oh, except. Does it say no, it All. And the Holy Spirit comes on each of them. There's no discussion about worthiness. No discussion about deservedness. The Holy Spirit comes on each of them. This is for you. This is for you. The baptism of the Spirit is for you. I want you to understand that. And I don't want you... I don't want you to exempt yourself. I really don't. You know, I tell you what, everybody has a different story. My wife is filled with the Spirit in her sleep. Oh, well, I've heard stories before, but I never heard that one. I was really irritated by that. I mean, it's as if she had nothing to do with it, but that's not true. 
Because the night before, we were praying together. And we had people come and pray with us. And they prayed with us to be filled with the Spirit. And she wakes up in the middle of the night with this burning, burning sensation, this heat. And, and, then, and then has this language and, 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 and gives me a nudge. And she says, is this it? And she starts to speak in tongues. And I go, Yes. I'm not impressed that God does that for her and not for me. And once again, I feel left out. Because for me, it's a different journey. For me, it's definitely longer. But it seemed for Des that she got filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues, boom, all on one night, just like that. And that but for me, it wasn't like that. It was, it was a different journey and it was definitely longer. I don't like long journeys, but this was a long journey. I tell you what, it forced me to the Bible. I thought, what does God say? Because it seemed that whilst lots of others were being filled to the Spirit, there was a clear, notable exception. His name was Neil. And I could not understand why. And I thought, is there a two-tier system? Is this for some and not for others? You may be thinking the same question. But this forced me to the Word. Just forced me to God's word. And the more I read and the more I studied, the more convinced I was, this is for every believer. So I don't know where you are today, but don't you exempt yourself. Please don't do that. It's uh, completely unfair on you. And you're missing what God has for you. There is no two-tier system of the kingdom of God. Just because my experience didn't match up didn't mean to say that I had, set, had to set about reinterpreting scripture. Actually, the word reinforced my position. It increased my faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And therefore, the matter of when I would be baptized in the spirit was not a matter of if. It was always a matter of when. That's where I was. So the spirit, my friends, is not something to be given The Spirit is not something to be given. The Spirit is his very self. That's a whole different ballgame. It's his very self that we might know him, enjoy him, and enjoy the fellowship with the Father and the Son through the Spirit. So listen, this is just to set the scene. That's just my personal journey. But I tell you, if there's anybody here doing the exemption stuff, don't do it. It's a matter of when, not if. Um, my primary task this morning, believe it or not, is to t- talk on the subject of the gift of tongues. In my experience, this has been most misused and is well underused. It can therefore, from that point of view, be very neglected. The gift of tongues is a lovely gift. And it's from a loving father. Here, listen to the word, gift. That's a nice word, isn't it? Gift. Get it? Gift. We all like gifts, don't we? Well, this is a gift from your Father, your Heavenly Father. So when you read what Paul has to say in 1 Corinthians 14, you do have to understand it is through the eyes of correction. He is correcting practice that is going on in Corinth, but he is not encouraging us to abandon or minimize the gifts. 
All right? That's really important. I want to cover four things as I talk about the gift of tongues. What are tongues? Secondly, who is this gift for? Thirdly, where and when? Fifthly, uh, fourthly, what is the purpose? And fifthly, when will we leave you today when you've done all of that? So let me breeze through here. So what is tongues? First of all, it isn't gibberish or gobbledygook. You got it? It isn't. It is a language. Furthermore, it's a language of prayer, praise, thanksgiving. As I read through the scriptures, and you'll need to be in 1 Corinthians 14 and around there at the moment. Do you know? But as I read this, you will constantly see that tongues is to God. That is the context. You won't find it anywhere else as to other. It's to God. That is the context. Paul speaks of two languages. Are we all right? We're still here. Two languages. So if we could have that scripture up here. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You've got two languages there. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, those are your two languages. Men of a- t- men, uh, tongues of men and tongues of angels. Tongues, in other words, can be a real human language. So in Acts chapter 2, they all spoke in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. Now, it says they were from, from all over the place. They were utterly amazed. And they asked, are not these men who are speaking Galileans? We hear them. In other words, they're not the academic elite of the day where they have been on a Ron Lamb teach English as a foreign language course. They haven't been on that, and, but they're amazed. And this is what they said. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. That's to God. They're declaring the wonders of God. And they hear them in their own language, declaring the wonders of God. And then it says, for, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God this is 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2 anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God this is the point here and everywhere in the you will find this it's speaking to God if you look at verses 14 15 and 16 I'll read them to you he says for if I pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is unfruitful what shall I do I'll pray with my spirit but I'll also pray with my mind I will sing with my spirit but I will sing with my mind if you're praising God with your spirit see if you're praising God with your spirit how can one who finds himself among you among if you're praising God with your spirit how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand, say amen to your thanksgiving. I just want to stop at that point. I'm not going to do a full-fledged here, 1 Corinthians 14, but I want to say, you know, you've got prayer, you have praise, and you have thanksgiving. That's your context for tongues. 
And it's in the language of men and language of angels. I was at the King's Church Amersham. It was an evening service. And this lady began to speak out in tongues. And another lady overheard her. And she had studied this particular Chinese dialect. And she told her, you were declaring the praises of God in this particular Chinese dialect. She never had a clue. So sometimes it's the tongues of men. Sometimes we just don't know, do we? Um, Jonathan, you've got a, a particular example, haven't you, for, for yourself. Come on up here. So just tell the people what you wrote in your email to me on yes. that second section. Yes. Um, so this happened about um, 15, 16 years ago. I can't quite remember when. I was living in London. Uh, I had recently returned from university. Um, I was ministering in a church um, in West London, in Hammersmith. And uh, I met a guy who introduced me to another guy who was Lebanese. And uh, in those days, for those of you who know us, we've come back from Lebanon a year or so ago. We were there for seven years. But at this time, 15 years ago, uh, I didn't know anything about Lebanon. I didn't know any Arabic. Um, And... Quick, quick story, this man uh, fled the civil war in Lebanon, very violent civil war that happened 1975 to 1990. He was racked with a lot of pain, emotional pain, some trauma, and had become a chronic alcoholic. So my friend who had met him um, used to work with YOM, and he said, John, I know you've got a heart for the Middle East. Would you like to meet this guy? I said, sure. Well, he's staying in a B&B in Ealing. Those of you know Ealing, just Ealing Broadway, you know, there's a bunch of B&Bs over that way. So I, my parents used to live in Ealing, so I was hanging out with them at the time. I go to this place, meet Hassan, and, uh, you know, he's a Christian background Lebanese man. We get chatting, and I just get a, a sense in my heart, I should pray with him, I should pray for him. So I'm like, Hassan, brother, uh, shall we pray together? You know, I know, I'd love to just pray for the Spirit to come and and, and, and minister to you. And he was open to that. So we're like, let's, get, let's do it. So we're praying in English and then praying in English, you know, as you do. And all of a sudden, I had the sense of these new words that came to me. Now, I had been baptized in the Spirit uh, about five years before that in another church in London. And I remember a story my dad told me when I very first heard it. At 10 years old, I heard my dad speak in tongues in a Baptist church in France. And that's not done. So I said, Papa, what were you doing? And he told, I'll tell you in the car later. And basically, cut long story short, he said, if you start speaking in tongues, it's something you probably won't understand. Just speak it out. So fast forward about 12 years later or whatever. And I remember what my dad told me. And I just started speaking these words out. And it went on for three, five minutes. I don't know. I opened my eyes. And my son's staring at me like that. Do you know what it's like when somebody stares at you? Like, like they're staring at you right, now. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. And so I'm like, you okay? He's like, yeah. He, he didn't even ask to ask me. He says, do you know what you were doing there? I said, uh, I was praying in tongues, I think. He said, you were reciting psalms in Arabic with a fluency that nobody has anymore. This guy had traveled across the whole Middle East, North Africa. He understood all 17 dialects of Arabic. He said to me, you were speaking a mixture of what is basically some very, very ancient 
forms of Arabic that nobody speaks anymore. It's a mixture of uh, Saudi, Egyptian, Iraqi, he said. He said, I could understand you in my heart language. And you know what? He, he was weeping by this stage because this man was so dejected, so broken, and so sad. And he, re- he saw that God had sent me to minister to him, to, to praise God. But in the praising of God, it was ministering to him because I was speaking in his mother tongue. And so that's basically the story. That's great. Take that down. Thank you. So tongues can be a real human language. But there's also tongues of angels. And I suppose that is commonly regarded as non-recognizable language. But a language nonetheless. These languages are gifts. They are unlearned. They're spirit-inspired. You know, when my children were young, they came to me and I, at different times, actually. And they said, Dad, could you teach us how to speak in tongues? We want to learn how to speak in tongues. And I would have to say, look, sunshine, I can't do that. You know, it's, it's, it's just a gift. You, you don't need to come to me. You have to come to your father. You have to come to God, your Father, and ask him to give you the gift of tongues. It's a gift. It's it's spirit-inspired. It's unlearned. But it is a lovely gift. It's supernatural. Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't God do supernatural things? We must be nuts if we're going to take out the supernatural out of God. I mean... It's, so anyway, well, it's, a, it's a great help to your prayer life. I'll touch on that later. So what is it? It's not gobbledygook. It's tongues of man. It's a human language. Or it can be a, a non-recognizable language, which Paul refers to here as angelic. Secondly, who is the gift for? Quite simply, it's for believers. Anyone who is born again. A follower of Jesus Christ. Mark writes at the end of his gospel about signs that will accompany those who believe. They will speak in new tongues, language. All the disciples, it said all of these disciples, spoke in other tongues. You can't get away from the fact it is a regular occurrence in the book of Acts. Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, he said, I would that you all spoke in tongues. And then he goes, but I'd rather have you prophesy. But he's not saying, I wouldn't have you speak in tongues. He said, I would have that you all spoke in tongues. This is a gift and it's really helpful to you. Then he says, he says later, um, he also, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. I just think that's an interesting line. Hey, look, if Paul speaks in tongues more than any of them, I mean, that's like bragging rights, isn't it? I had a laugh at that. It's just like, what's this, Paul, bragging rights? I thought, well, if he's going to speak in tongues more than any of them, and he must be a huge tongue speaker. Sounds funny, that, doesn't it? Um, I want to speak in tongues. I, I, I don't know if I can outdo him, but, you know, it just shows to me that in the climate of correction and misuse, it tells me how much Paul values the gift. I speak in tongues more than any of you. In other words, don't stop that. That is important. 
This New Testament is written by tongue-speaking Christians. Who is it for? It's for God's people. When and where? Two things. Freely in private, carefully in public. Do you know, it isn't the best practice that having received the gift of tongues to try it out on your boss on Monday. Do you know, this is just not, this is not good practice. Listen, freely in private, carefully in public. Paul has to write this because of the indiscriminate use of tongues. And he's having to bring regulation to the church. So first I want you to understand about this gift is it builds you up. So if you're having a look at 1 Corinthians 14, you'll see in verse 4 he says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I want to tell you, my friends, freely in private. This gift of tongues edifies you. That means it strengthens you. That means it builds you up. That means this gift will do something for you in your own personal time with God. So my question is this. Are you using it? When was the last time you used it? When you were filled with this gift of tongues many, many years ago, are you using it much now as you did then? (laughs) That's a really good question, isn't it? Is it? Do you understand the importance of this gift? Because we could miss it. And I'd be concerned if we did. You know, I began as a youth pastor in 1983 at the King's Church Amersham. I want to tell you, those were the most difficult times of my life. And the youth weren't difficult. It was what was going on inside me. It's like all my past came up and haunted me all in one go. I thought, what do I do with this? Accusations of my life, my, pre- my, my past life, and the things I'd done, and how I'd behaved. I mean, it was like a, an incredible battle. And somebody spoke about this gift, that it, this builds you up. This gift of tongues builds you up. I used to go into work an hour earlier, and I would speak in tongues for an hour. I'm not saying you have to do this. Just that I'm saying, but the, my friends, Christians, we're in pre- we have pressure. We have pressure. And I go and speak in tongues, I speak in tongues, I speak in tongues. And I didn't know everything I was saying, and I couldn't interpret everything I was saying, but I know I was desperate. And that was coming through in, my, in, work, in speaking in tongues. And I cried out God in tongues every morning. Did this for a mon- number of months. And something happened. And something cracked. And something broke. And a new boldness came through. And a new confidence in God came in. Something happened. I know. It just changed me. He who speaks in an tongue builds himself up. I don't think this gift, I do think this gift is neglected, and I do think it's underused. Jackie Pullinger, she said this. She said, um, by the clock I prayed 15 minutes a day in the language of, of the Spirit. I still felt nothing as I preached the Spirit, as I, as I asked the Spirit to help me intercede for those he wanted to reach. This is in, in um, Hong Kong, I think, isn't it? Hong Kong. I mean, she's moving with drug addicts and all the rest of it. After about six weeks of this, I began to lead people to Jesus without trying. 
Gangsters fell to their knees, sobbing in the streets. Women were healed. Heroin addicts were miraculously set free. I knew it all had nothing to do with me. See, it was also the gateway for other gifts of the Spirit. With my friends, I began to learn about other gifts of the Spirit. We experienced a remarkable few years of ministry. Scores of gangsters and well-to-do people, students, churchmen were converted and all received a new language to pray in private and other gifts to use when meeting together. We opened several homes to house heroin addicts and all were delivered from drugs painlessly because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And she got the whole thing about tongues and the the need of the the Spirit. So um, it's just so important in private in private, freely in private, in public. I think we have to be careful with the gift of tongues because this is a public meeting and anyone can come into that, into this meeting. So that is why in 1 Corinthians 12, it speaks of the gifts of the Spirit, of the common good, that, um, and tongues is listed, that um, it's important that it's interpreted. And it's interpreted correctly. So that when we speak in tongues, we have to realize that it is to God. And therefore, the interpretation is to God. It's not prophetic. I know this has been done in times past. And God sees these things and he understands our ignorance and all the rest of it. But this is biblically how it works. This is, you, there will be no other context you will find here that other, outside of prayer, praise, thanksgiving to God. So it needs wisdom. And it should be interpreted in that matter. Praise to God, thanksgiving to God, prayer to God. That's how we do it. Um, it's also within our control. Tongues is within your control. So terminology such as, I couldn't help myself. Or, the spirit made me. I'm sorry. You know, you are not a robot or a zombie, as Ron said last week. You know, where this, you are controlled... By the, you know, it's not like that. You have, you know, there's voluntary cooperation here with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't, that sort of, that sort of terminology does not equate to Paul's teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. So, when and where. Now, what is the purpose? What's the point of speaking in tongues? Speaking in a language you don't understand. I suppose the simple answer to that is, you're not speaking to yourself, you're speaking to God. It's primarily a personal gift of prayer. Does not speak to men, but to God. It helps us in prayer. Often it's a language of intimacy. We may not sometimes know what we're saying, but sometimes we can get a feel of it. Language is, is incredibly limiting. I believe the average English person has a vocabulary of around about 5,000 words. That's the ones that he uses. 5,000. Winston Churchill apparently had a vocabulary of 15,000 words. Look, 5,000, 15,000, 25,000, I don't care. It's all limited. But when the gift of tongues comes, it helps you express things that you find inexpressible. It gives you words to say in another language that you just can't, you can't express it in the language that you know. It, it brings a, tr- a wonderful release. We need this gift. 
all of us have experienced the frustration of not being adequately able to verbally express ourselves. Well, the language of tongues helps us. And although he says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful, it doesn't mean to say it's mindless. It's unfruitful because it doesn't go through the process of interpretation into an intelligible language. So it's a gift, my friends. And, and it's given primarily for prayer and praise to God. So it really uncorks the bottle at times. And it helps you flow. You know, it helps you in pressure situations when you don't know how to pray. I had a situation with Dacre. This baby was going to be born uh, so light, less than two pounds. Less than two pounds. And we were in the car and I, we just didn't know what to pray. And we prayed the whole journey in tongues. I just didn't know what else to pray. And I knew that in this gift of tongues, I was crying out for God to help. Please go ahead of us, do something, but please help this child. And that child now is, I think, um, 20, 30 years old, you know, and thriving and all the rest of it. But at moments, you know, of great pressure and stress, I find tongues incredibly helpful. I can't express certain things. I don't know how to do it. The language is too limiting. It's a great purpose. Great one of intimacy. Calling out to God. Gift of tongues. Let's have the band up please, can we? And I've oversold my time. But this is an important gift. And I want to give the opportunity for our people to be filled with the Spirit. And to receive the gift of tongues. Um, listen, this is, God does this. All we do is pray for people. I've seen people be prayed for, gone home, got the gift of tongues at home. Just walk through the front door and start speaking in tongues. I've seen some people have to wait a while. I, I don't know. That's not my, that's just not my bag. I don't, I don't know how to, I've, I know all the, all the disappointment. If some of you had disappointment, but all I'm saying is just keep coming. Keep coming. Keep pressing in. Tell the Lord, I want this. I want this. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want this gift of tongues. Irrespective of where things are, I want you to go for it. Lastly, this. Could the ministry team come out? That would be very helpful. I want, don't be shy. Just come. Ministry team, please just come. Just come. You go into a shop, you get a few bits and pieces, and on the counter it says, you go to the counter and it says, ring bell for service. Ring bell for service. And you stand there for a little while, and you, you know, you just don't want to be over demanding. And you don't want to interrupt what's going on in the back room for the person who's the shop owner. And so you just wait there with this stuff, and seconds pass and minutes pass, and all it's got on the thing, ring bell for service. You know why it's got ring bell for service? Because he wants your custom. So ring the jolly bell. That's the point. He wants you to ring the bell. And so I don't want you to hold back. I want you to ring bell for service. Lord God, we need you. Lord God, I want release in this area. I want release in this area. I want, a, I want that gift. 
I want to be filled with the Spirit. Let's stand.